that you're born an Italian If you want your life to be great See that you're born an Italiano And your life will be great Hey there, Paisani, and welcome back to another episode of the Italian American Podcast. Buon Natale, the season is here. It is December. Everybody is very excited. The holidays are right down the pike. This thing's coming out just you know my days before. When the holidays were coming. Yeah. Not the, Not the Svajima Fest. <laughs> that's, because that's a t-shirt for next year. <laughs> that's one of my favorites. Yeah. it's uh, Every year I feel like I'm super excited. I can't wait. And then it's just a lot of, it's a lot of work. Well, it's nice when you have little kids. Yeah, it's great. Come on. It's, this is the first year I could tell Gia knows what's going on. Like, she's singing songs. She's been singing uh, Jingle Bells, which she calls Tinker Bells. She's been singing uh, Deck the Halls. You got her an elf. Got her the elf on the shelf. Nicole's moving the elf on the shelf everywhere. Why, why did you drink the elf on the shelf Kool-Aid? My mother-in-law did. She says she, we never had. Why this never, is another? I think it's, it's another. We it's need our new. own. We need. We we got to make an Italian. We need like Tony on a cannoli. <laughs> We need our own. Don't we can't don't let this. No, you know we need the nasty lady next door. <laughs> See, even better. It's like Look, a peering through. Yeah, yeah, she's just yeah, peering yeah, through yeah, the window. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. the elf is supposed to be hiding. You can't touch him and all this stuff. Well, he's supposed to be watching you and making sure you're being good. And then if you're not good, he's going to tell Santa. He's like a spy. Kumara on the shelf. That's what we need. Yeah. That's that's the yeah, next that thing. Yeah, that she's going to watch you. Yeah. And uh, and uh, if if you know behave, if you know good, you don't get a nothing. <laughs> it's absolutely, it's perfect. I'm gonna tell you, my Santa Claus. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we. That's uh, when the store opens. We've been talking about. Uh, Why don't you Christmas redo gifts. this? It, we should. Just, just she's got to talk, but only if Pat voices the doll. <laughs> Kumada doll. Yeah, we got to get the nasty Bafana doll. Yeah, we do. Yeah, and she has to be angry. Yeah. And her husband has to be the one that screams, get off of my grass. <laughs> I've been thinking about that. Stu- and you need that. And sh- I'm going to tell your mother. Speaking of Italian-American Christmas gifts, because, you know, I'm obsessed with this stuff. I'm buying every year the season comes and I'm looking for Italian-American ornaments and things like that. And I've been getting them delivered to the house. And Nicole has been opening packages, assuming they're Christmas gifts for people and stuff. So yesterday, you know what she told me? I felt like yet another like 1980s Santa statue. She said, only you and Pat. Buy junk like this. So I know she threw Thanks you right under the bus. What a compliment. With me. At least I wasn't alone. But she's like, only Pat know, would I, appreciate this. I'm like, wait, Ro would appreciate this statue. I sell that shit. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> one of our best sellers this year was our musical, Babbo Natale. See? He, he sold out so fast, I don't have one for either of you. But <laughs> uh, but he had like a tray of uh, spaghetti, of uh, pasta, and yeah. wine, and whatever. And he, and, uh, he winds them up in the back, and he sings Funiculi Funicula. People need this stuff. We need this stuff out with there. Vito the Nutcracker. Vito another, the Nutcracker was big. Bestseller. Oh, tell Vito. Happy birthday. Yes. His, oh, yeah. My Big mother Vito's and birthday. him celebrate the same birthday. And wow. my grandfather and my brother. The Sagittarius. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was at my grandfather's yesterday for his 88th birthday. It's great. I went in and out, hung out with my grandparents for a little bit. For those of you who don't know, John is the knockoff of his grandfather. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah. You know, they ask about you constantly. I had a great when time. When are you coming we, back? come back yeah, up. We got to go who back. Does, All of us got to go back. With Pat. No, we'll have, we had a good time up there. They're very artistic. You will never understand John until you meet his maternal grandparents. Yeah, they're artists. Because yeah. that's the brain. Well, you know them well. Yeah. That's where oh, the you're, brain. You're, you're non-no with the eBay business. Gosh, she's me. the best. She, they're, they're the greatest. My grandfather goes to the transfer station. You know, they, they fix stuff. They're really unbelievable. I, I had the greatest time. It's a hobby. It's it's yeah. it's a hobby. It's how they bond. It's a it's yeah. a yeah. It's yeah. a bond. Keeps them busy. Keeps them going. They they're just great. They're just so good to see them. Thank God. In you know good health. He turned eighty eight yesterday. My grandmother's eighty six. 
my grandmother was in the hospital a couple weeks ago. Oh, no. Yeah, she had an episode with her heart, but she was telling me how great the hospital was because they found her on your Cooking with Nona, and they played it on the screen. They treated her like a celebrity. She was so oh, happy. Oh, wow. Yeah. Did they? And she was like, and I'm in the books, too. Like, oh, they I went think, crazy. Can All I make an announcement? Crazy. These things make me I think, <laughs> I think Ro- Rose coming back. We're coming back with a whole new series of Nona. Yes, producer, true. Executive producer Patrick O'Boyle. Yeah. We're coming out. We're going to bring it back. See, yeah. I've been campaigning for Cooking with Nona. Yeah, you have. Yeah. Well, we do it. Very I do enlightened, it, by I the do way. it with Vito. Yeah. yeah, but you need guys like this sausage. There's a lot of guys you know, out I'm, there. I'm exhausted over here. You want to do it? You plan it? I'll no, show I'll up. I'll plan it. But there's I'll, like I'll guys bring the magic, out. Listen, but yeah, yeah, you, and, you set it yeah, all up, correct. and we'll do it. But I'm exhausted. I've been doing this since 2009. Do you know my phone's gonna blow up? You know how I'm gonna know if people actually listen when they say they do? Yeah. Because my phone's gonna blow up after this. Yeah. Eight thousand. You know, Everybody's I have an aunt. I have an aunt. Yeah. Well, we're gonna go. We're gonna do some traveling too. Yeah. We're gonna do some some different locations. We're going on the road. We're well, partnering. see, every you know everybody's given everybody's saying like, well, you're doing a lot of New York, New Jersey centric stuff, and that's because we're not gonna do the people from out of town until we get the new studio, right? Because we're gonna have like CBS News quality pipe in. Dun, yeah. dun, 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 it's gonna dun, be amazing. Dun. The cameras and it's gonna be unbelievable. But yeah, it's easier to get people in, and we're gonna do a lot more road trips going forward. And this is one of them: getting row on the road and. God willing. This. Yeah, God willing. Uh, it could all <laughs> spit, end tomorrow. Spit. We're going to be in Florida in January, obviously, so that's exciting for the IFL 2, which is done. We ended up going over our budget and just saying let's bring – we had so many applicants this year that we're going to bring 150 instead of 100. We, we decided this was too, oh, and, too many and good applicants. Can I make another announcement? Yeah. We are looking for corporate sponsors for next year. Yeah, because we're bringing so a lot more people So if you represent in. a pasta brand yes. or alcohol brand, the kids are all over 21. Yep. Or a cheese brand or a clothing brand, you have your perfect social media. Yes. What do you call it? Launching pad? Yes. Oper- with those yeah. kids. Exactly. So we are all, we're out there. You have the piggy bank. We've put in a lot of money. To, I shouldn't say we. Certain people put in a lot of money to this. And they've built a fantastic opportunity to market your product to young Italian Americans. Yeah, it's growing faster than we anticipated, which is a great problem to have. But, uh, when you, when you really believe in something like this and you go, okay, we're going to have 100 kids a year, and then all of a sudden you get hundreds more applications, you, you got to bump it up, right? You got to. So we have 150 kids going this year? Yeah. And and a lot of our alumni are coming back, and it's going to be amazing. We and The other reason why I'm pushing the advertising, it, the sponsorship is, it's all about education. Yeah. So if you want your product to succeed in America, or you want, you have a specialty product, you have to educate people why they should be paying more for a better product. Yeah. And I think that it's all about education, education, education. They did like a study in France. It was because like French kids have fantastic lunches in French public. Italian kids go home to eat, mm-hmm. right? But French kids eat in French schools. And French kids, you know, it's again uh, very much opposed to the American mentality of, oh, children don't eat that. The French kids eat everything the French adults eat. They sure. just eat in small portions. Yeah. And they have that in the French schools. But the French kids in like second grade have an incredible knowledge of like the cheeses of France. Yeah. Right, your smelly, stinky Frenchy French cheese. They eat it, and they know about it. They know what region it comes from and what kind of cows. So it can be done. It should be done, and we're going to be the ones to do it. Couldn't agree more. I think it's a great opportunity. Anybody out there, you can absolutely write to coffee us. coffee brand, whatever you got. Yeah, you could visit the website, and uh, we've got everything linked out. So you know, would would be great to have support. And it's exciting that it's coming up sooner than later. Obviously, the holidays are coming first, and we have been focusing. Very diligently, because this episode is going to be out Friday, December 22nd. So yesterday, December 21st, a Thursday, or tomorrow in our current 
time stream. It's like, it's like a, we're in Australia. A Marvel movie. You're still in Australia, <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah. It's like, well, you're tomorrow, we're yesterday. <laughs> when you're listening to this, it'll be yesterday. We'll have premiered our uh, biannual Christmas video. Two years ago, we did uh, Twas the Feast of the Fishes in partnership with Casa Belvedere, the Italian Cultural Foundation, Staten Island. We had a great response from that, did really, really well. I think it's uh, become a nice tradition for people. Two years before that, we created the Yule Pot, our six-plus hours of Italian I have 24. Christmas music. You're waiting on the I Neapolitan I keep saying, one. why That'll can't be next I have year. my next year? Yeah, next sure. year, we got to make if that I'm happen. Alive. Yeah, God willing. But this year, we came up, Pat came to me a couple months ago and said, what are we doing for Christmas this year? And I said, well, in the back of my head, I've been working on two things. One of them was Ro and I have been going back and forth for a year-plus on this idea of lyrics for... Uh, the 12 days of Christmas and, you know, what, uh, how do you make an Italian-American version that's not some reductive and goofy, you know, there's a lot of versions out. And I said, and, and for some reason in my head, I've always had this, uh, the beginnings of Italian-American lyrics to my, one of my favorite Christmas songs, which is Melikalikimaka Hawaiian Christmas. And Pat said, let's do that. And let's replace the Hawaiian ukulele with Italian mandolins. There's only one partner to turn to for that. It's the Bloomfield Mandolin Orchestra. People don't know I'm like a groupie. You are a groupie. Like they're you're, like parrot heads yeah. for Jimmy Buffett. You're, you're a mandolin. Like there's people who chase Kiss around the country. You're a string head, I guess. And I'm a, str- <laughs> I'm a mandolin head because I chase after the Bloomfield Mandolin Orchestra. You are the biggest fan. I, I am I would by imagine. far the biggest fan. There is no group that I love. Can we get T-shirts at Bloomfield yes. Mandolin Orchestra? <laughs> Groupies, I'm absolutely. a mandolin head. Why you? <laughs> you because are. you that the mandolin kind of looks like a, a head. You it can does make it. Yeah, can, I could easily do that. With your artistic competencies, very easy. But we are here to introduce. We have Professor Christine Masati, who I have known since I'm 14 years old. Yeah, who is an Italian teacher for many, many years, and also a very, very talented musician. And her husband Enrico Garafe, which we learned today, is a nobleman. A nobleman. Did you know this? No, I, I got He's the late. son of a Marchese. I didn't know that. His brother's the Marchese. Wow. And he is the spouse of Professor Massari and an extremely talented musician. He came to America yes. from Calabria. He has roots all over the south of Italy, but he, he immigrated from Calabria as a jazz musician. And they are the heart and the soul of the Bloomfield Mandolin Orchestra. Yeah. I am truly honored, truly honored to have them here. Like I said, I know Professor Massari since I'm in high school. Um, she taught a, my Italian teacher in high school was one of her dear friends. And fun fact, um, she actually went to graduate school with my mother. Yes. Yeah, what a small world. <laughs> yeah, we became really good friends. Yes. And, and she would get me all of the the readings and things because they didn't have anything available in those days. You couldn't get anything online, and I would um, I was working like full time and. She was able to always get me copies of things. She was very kind to me. We became very good friends. Yeah, you're Angela. exactly the kind of person my mother befri- yes, would befriend. Yes, that is absolutely true. <laughs> is that good or bad? Well, no, I mean it, mean, it means you're 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 exceptional. Yes. You know, you you know, she she likes musical people. Yeah. She likes theatrical people. She likes character. She doesn't like boring people. She doesn't like boring, not talented people. You know, it's That's funny. That's what I mean. That's because she's so talented. She is well, so yeah, talented. she's insane. Yeah. yeah, I feel like if we had all stayed in Italy and been from the same place, we'd be like a traveling show, right? We'd probably Circus. be like music and art and, yeah, we'd be sort of those, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's funny how you kind of connect, though. Yeah, you, you know, do. through different people, you kind of like uh, meet up with people who are like-minded or like the passion with Italian-American culture. Yeah, yeah I mean, and Pat's really the P.T. Barnum. <laughs> he sure is, yeah. He's the one who collects everybody. Every people collects have around. called me a lot of things. <laughs> it's true. But never, 
In 48 years have I been compared to P.T. Barnes. Sure, we though do. I, though there, there might be something to that. I have to deeply meditate on that. Didn't he wear a top hat? Yeah, we got to get your top hat. We got to get your top hat. I got a top hat. We can lend you. I got a nice top hat. You need a green, white, and red one, I got a top. No, I don't want a clowny one. I have one for royal state occasions, but they've never come. So John always had princes and kings and heads of state. And I had all the gear to like greet them at the airport. I you wore it once. Didn't you wear the top hat once to an event? I wore it to so a Savoy event. I was in white tie because John gets tables to events in New York because people try to connect all the dots. So John gets a table to an event in New York and we all go. Yeah, and we're the a, filler. And a, yeah, and we're, and, and a, in a very honored way. And yes. it was a white tie event and I had a top hat. And I was walking along, I guess it, I guess it was, where's the Metropolitan Club? And it's right out, right off of on Central Fifth Park, Avenue, right? Yeah. Yes, I'm and um, they must have been from. I'll put it another part of America. Someone yells out, "Oh my God!" There's one of those New York City doormen. <laughs> 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 so that's the one time I went uh, to white tie in Manhattan with a top hat. <laughs> we went to overcoat. We were all yeah. dressed up. Yeah, but when you think about it, I have my grandfather's top hat, and when you think, and his other a bowler type hat, he had different types. He came here as an immigrant. He was born 1886, came here as an immigrant, and he took his children to the opera. Yeah. He took them to see the Marionette Theater in Little Italy. Wow. He was very cultured, and he made sure they all had lessons, who had dance lessons, who played the, my mother played the violin, my uncle played the drums, everyone, my aunt played the piano. They had a dance school 72 years. Wow, that's the crazy. The Arcaro School of Dance, and they, were, they had five different schools in... Uh, the Bronx, and later on in Westchester. Wow. And, uh, and eventually in Connecticut, too. But, I mean, here's someone from Laurino, that tiny little town up in the Beautiful Chilento. town. Yeah. Mel, I visited your family multiple times. It is a beautiful town. And, you know, that's a hallmark of who we are because my grandmother's father, I was very impressed with this. My grandmother's father was a huge Caruso fan. He used to listen to all the records. And um, he was illiterate. Yeah. And I say in the sense that we have so much education today, but we're so ignorant. Yeah. And all the schooling we go to, we don't have the, you know, they were just so well-rounded. The sense of even high culture. sense of high yeah. culture, yeah. yeah. Why don't you tell us about the Boomfield Mandolin Orchestra, why you're here today, and why I'm so in love with your organization, <laughs> and why we need to Well, first I have to say, it. I have to thank you and John and Brendan for all of your support of the orchestra, because we're a volunteer organization that's comprised of... Uh, musicians from all over New Jersey. And recently we've reached out to people from other mandolin groups to come and play with us a couple of times a year. Um, the mandolin actually became, it came over to, I think it went over to Italy and to Europe, probably through the Arabs when they, when they went over in like the eighth century, ninth century and all, but really the 10th century is the first mention of anything resembling a mandolin there. It had different types of roots, whether through the lute or the small guitar they started using and all, and they're different types. And I, I started playing because we had a music, I grew up in Pelham, New York, and we had a music closet in my house. My house, I grew up in a house with 16 people. Wow. Because when my grandfather passed away, I never knew him, the one who had the hats. <laughs> in like 1949 and 1950, my grandmother bought a, a house in Pelham. And she knew of the area because they were good friends with Penny Marshall's parents. Oh yeah, they came and from the yeah, and yeah. they had Laverne and Shirley. Fame. Yeah, they yeah. were wow. they were renting um, a house in Pelham. And they used to go see them. And so when this house came up for sale, my grandmother bought it seventeen thousand dollars all cash. Wow, the house, uh, twenty two rooms. Wow, 
five bathrooms, three kitchen. I mean, and there were 16 of us. It was my grandmother bought it. Three of her kids were still single at the time. And three were married. They were all going to go off on their own. And she says, oh, I love this house. Why don't you come in? I'll buy it, and we'll all stay there wow. together. And that's what we did. We grew up in a house with 16 people. All yeah. cousins but and all, stuff. Wow. Yeah, and not How many bathrooms? Cousins. Five. Oh. Five bathrooms. Yeah. Okay, five bathrooms. Yeah. A good division. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you know, the, the dressing rooms were so big, two of them became bedrooms. Yeah. <laughs> so That's it was a legal eight bedroom, and we ended up having like 11 when someone was born and they cut a room in half. <laughs> My <laughs> grandmother used to do that. And put up put up plywood. That's a new room. Yeah. But there weren't many Italians in our town in Pelham growing up. And uh, well, you were like a small town, your house. Like, yeah, yeah, we were like one. And everyone, all my friends from school, my mother would invite my entire class over for my birthday, which is December Aww. 30th. Aww. And she would invite the entire class over, and they would love to come because of the food she would make. Wow. Of course. I mean, the Italian, instead of having those sloppy Joes and, you know, <laughs> all that stuff. But um, so, you know, my grandfather played the mandolin. My aunt played it. And I found a mandolin that was broken in this town. It had like split open in the back. And after I married my husband, who was originally a classical guitarist, graduated from the um, Conservatory of L'Aquila in Italy, I gave it to him and he had it fixed for me. I saw this mandolin and I told Christine that I had, I knew in Calabria one of the best luthiers around actually his family had been making instruments for about 350 years wow. so it belonged to a dynasty of luthiers and of course i already had a guitar the, the, my very first guitar from 1974 was made by vincenzo de bonis in from bisignano in the province of cosenza so I took her there with her, with her mandolin and he fixed it for her. And then subsequently he built another instrument, which is the one that she's currently using. So you're telling me that this is a 300-year-old, 300 years this family's been making mandolins, right. lutes. That, right? Well, now it's it must be 400. Because I met him like 55 yeah. years ago. So, so okay. <laughs> we, don't have to, you know, we don't have to age ourselves here. But yeah, of course. Uh, so... In a small town in Calabria. Yeah. Now, the second one, the custom was one that Christine plays that's now. That's right. That's right. Not the first one. Not the one that belonged to her grandfather. I don't know who made it. Wow. Yeah, that's a, that's amazing to me. To me, the mandolin, something about the mandolin is, um, I, I'm sure it gets played in plenty of other cultures or different versions. We know that. But it is somehow so associated with our culture, particularly the so- south of Italy and the, the Canzone Nablidana and this that sound. And I, you know, at my grandparents yesterday, but last time I was there, my grandfather gave me a mandolin that he had picked up. His mother played the mandolin, my great-grandmother, who died when I was like 20. Um, I don't remember her ever playing, and I guess hers was lost somewhere to time, so he found this one to replace it, and he fiddled with it, and I remember the baby was with me, Giovanna was with me, and I was showing her, and she was just strumming it. And just hearing a little sound from her little fingers, you know, it's, it just feels like it's some part of your inheritance almost, you know. And I think for you guys, you're sort of the uh, advanced guard keeping this going, really, because there's not much beyond the Bloomfield Mandolin Orchestra. I also have to say that the first, very first mandolin orchestra that I saw in my 
my life was in this country. Really? <laughs> I had never seen a mandolin orchestra in Italy. Huh. And even now, there are not too many. I mean, the, I'm sure that there is none in southern Italy where I come from. Wow. As a matter of fact, the first one I was aware of is the one that uh, Carlo Alonso used to lead. I don't know if he's still still has that mandolin orchestra but he's from Savona from you know the from north. Liguria yeah from the north yeah but in my area well of course I had seen mandolins but never a mandolin orchestra <laughs> it's the most beautiful sound in the world isn't it I mean you are the biggest fan Pat and you guys have done a lot of our events for the Constantinian order one of the great coincidences and overlaps is uh, that the orchestra already knows how to play the two Sicilies national anthem which is a great Edition. That was because of your invitation. Oh, it was? Wow, yes. I didn't know that. Absolutely. That's, I'm so honored. I didn't realize uh, that. I absolutely. thought they knew it already. Thank you for that. No, 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 of course. I mean, you know, I was aware of uh, of the existence of the of, of the tune of the hymn. But, you know, we had never played it until we started doing something for you guys. It is beautiful, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Really beautiful hymn for those who don't know it. I remember we did an event one time. Brendan's here. He's floating in the office helping us out. And uh, Brendan, who runs the Constantinian Order, we were we had a, just a casual event. And Brendan said, you know, let's start it with the anthems. There's just a dinner for the Two Sicilies Pipe Smoking Club. And uh, so he got on his phone and he went to YouTube and he played the American anthem. And then when he went to play the Two Sicilies anthem, he picked like the 18-minute version. It's 37 <laughs> verses. And everybody's standing there listening to it come off of his phone and waiting. You know, the food's in front of us. But uh, we just all stood there at attention for 20 minutes of the <laughs> same verse over and over and over again. It was, it was very nice. But, uh, yeah, I, I think it's safe to say we have a great bond to the Bloomfield Mandolin Orchestra. And you guys have been a massive part of our events and things. But... In this case, in the work that we've done here, when I said to Pat, hey, let's do this, he had this great intuition, which was, if the song's supposed to be about Hawaiian Christmas and it's got ukulele in the back, it needs mandolin in the back, let's call Christine. So let's talk a little bit about the song and uh, how you kind of ran with it. You seem to be as excited as us by this prospect. You went out, you, what did you do? You had this thing rearranged. Uh, let's talk about the, the song and what got you excited. Well, what I liked was the idea of doing, you know, merging together this love I have of Italian and Italian-American culture and music yeah. and doing something that was novel and new. And I love you guys because you've always been so supportive of us. You know, the orchestra, I just wanted to mention, started in 41, but I think it has much older roots because the mandolin orchestras came over in the 19th century with the immigrants. It was a very easy instrument for people to hold sure. and to play. And it has the same tuning as a violin, oh. the mandolin. And from the bottom up is G, D, A, E. and But they're double strings, which they call courses. So what happened during World War II, ours started in 1941. Uh, they go back to historically. But during World War II, a lot of the musicians were over in the war, you know, fighting. And then when they came back in 1946, our group started again. And there were actually four groups around the area. And they merged in the 60s. A lot of them were in barbershops. It's true. A lot of them had... Um, you know, people would go there and play mandolin and hang out, and they would belong to that. Wow. But the Italians were always great supporters of music in this country. They had big bands, they had marching bands, and yeah. and the mandolin orchestras were huge, sometimes hundreds of people. So through the years, I started playing when I got them to, um, I hired them when I found out about this orchestra to play for the high school in which I taught in West Orange, New Jersey, for the Italian club. And then I liked it so much, I picked it up because I had played violin as a kid. I've met so many people through the orchestra. You may you start networking 
Like you, like you're always networking, Patrick. You know, <laughs> that's true. Right? Yeah. I ain't and like, how many things did we do in the past? The Festa Italiana, all those things. We would bring the kids to perform and all. You network, you meet people. So one of the members of our orchestra, Sharmin Natoli, she's a very gifted um, songwriter, musician. She was even doing the music for the um, for doo-wop groups and things like that. Very talented. And we had a jazz club for 20 years. Yes. So we met a lot of musicians through our jazz club. So I reached out to, to Sharman and I said, you know, Sharman, there's this project because I was told that there wasn't much time to get this done. It wasn't, yeah. So it's like, you know, you have to have it done yesterday. Yep. And I said, could you do an arrangement? I knew she was capable of it. It was just a matter of having had the time. So we put together a very modest budget, very modest. And, and um, she agreed to do it for us. And I think she did a lovely job. She had it done within a week. Yeah, she was really sweet about it, too. She was re- and she was really enthusiastic about it. Like, she came out and conducted the orchestra f- for the recording. And it was been, uh, I don't know, you guys, well, you guys. I mean, we basically said, if Christine and the Bloomfield Mandolin Orchestra can create the music to this, which you guys did, right? You had how many mandolin? Well, we only took half of the people with us because the others, some of them can't, you know, they didn't have the time right. to come because we had to go to the recording studio yeah. and other things. So we took about half of them and we had about six or seven different instruments though. Yeah, you in did, the orchestra, yeah. you have the same as like a symphonic orchestra, but you have like the way you'd have a violin, viola, you mm. have mandolin, mandola, ma- mandocello. We had regular bass. You had a guitar. We had guitar and Rico played the guitar. Yep, the maestro was on yeah. the guitar. It was great. And um, we had the different parts. So, she not only did the arrangement in general, she did the individual parts. Yes. And we put it all together in the studio. So I think we had seven or eight musicians in there. And then some of them also helped us sing back up a little bit. Yes, that's true. So we said, okay, we got the music taken care of. Now we got to figure out who's going to sing this. So I wrote lyrics, which you know, frankly, they're not. They're not. Uh, uh, they're very catchy. They're catchy. They, I couldn't get that song out of my head for three days. Very true. That is, is <laughs> it sticks with you. I would say they're not necessarily, you know, um, uh, what's what's it? sophisticated. Sophisticated. Thank you. You know, they're. No, I don't. Uh, I, 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 I object <laughs> to that term. You do. No, they're fun. They're fun. Why, 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 why they're, it's, a no, it's, a it's a novelty no, song. It's not. It's not That's like right. we're chanting Shakespeare. Well, you, right? think, I mean, you, know. you think Melikalikimak is a sophisticated exactly. song? Exactly. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> like a nasty Bade's word. <laughs> Every time you sung that, I thought it this is something. Like a, it sounds like an insult. <laughs> it sounds like some. Don't you think that Malik? What is it? I, d- I totally agree. Doesn't Malikalikimak <laughs> sound like something your father would say? You have to keep that word. Yeah, it's like keep that word. <laughs> That's what it felt like too. So we have these lyrics now. Okay, we got that done. Joe's gearing up, and uh, then I said to myself, "We have to sing this, right? Because it's us." It was easy for me to read a poem last time, but now we got to sing, and none of us are singers. Well, you have a great voice. Don't say that. Well, I liked to fool around you and all play sing. karaoke. You all sing. We we all did. We all yeah. ended up pulling it off. But I've also been really sick. I mean, you guys know, right? My, I've been nasally. You could hear it if you're in the audience. You still hear me now. It's been months that I've been like this. So it was a stretch. So I said, okay, let's bring some backups. You know, let's bring a couple of professionals who are actual singers. So we did that. And uh, Vanessa Rachi joined us. And Jenna Esposito joined us. And Christine, you came in and sang. And uh, Joe's dad, Joe Manella Sr., came in. And, you know, people who've got experience. Do you know why I love this? Yeah. Because, you know, I'm uncooperative. Yes. And I'm kind of like a donkey. You're very cooperative, this. though, by the way. Do you know why? Because I've said to you for years, 
I want to do an Italian American We Are the World. Yes, and this, this is kind the, of dates me. This is the proto version. This is version. the proto version. Yes, <laughs> I want all the Italian American personalities yes. in a big studio next year. Yeah, and I want you to rewrite the words to We Are the World because yeah. it's going to be the anniversary <laughs> next Christmas. Wasn't it eighty four? Not can anybody? Uh, hear I don't remember. I think it's eighty four. So it would be. I think it was 84, 84. I mean, someone's going to know out there. Yeah, but, we'll figure it out. You know, there comes a time. <laughs> 85. Brendan's telling me 85. Is 85? Yeah. Okay. We'll be on the We'll be early. Perfect. We'll be early. Yeah. It'll be like the vigil for Now, it. you know, now besides everyone's going to be messaging me that want their grandmother on Rose Show, now I'm going to get <laughs> 5,000 text messages. Put me on the We on um, the World. No, I know you guys are really busy, but. I would love to be on the... W- but that's what we want everybody to I don't even to have to say one a whole sentence, half a sentence, split me up with somebody yes, else. that's it. That's what it's going to be. That's what we ended up doing. But then people are going to be like, no, I don't want to share a line with that person. Of course. Yeah, that's yeah, the Italian yeah, way. Yeah, Nobody yeah. wants to share. Yeah. But we did... The three of us sang a couple of parts. We sang the whole song. And... Uh, by the grace of God, the engineer that you point you found for us, Christina. Well, God bless Enrico because we had to change studios last minute. Oh yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah, we 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 got Malocchio on. We this. got Malocchio zapped, and like this Malocchio is so powerful. <laughs> it was good. It works in such great time. I mean, is that the most fast acting Malocchio? It was. You've ever? It was a quick Malocchio. All of a sudden, within an hour, we get the call. The guy's got a his mother had a heart attack. If There's Russia, nowhere to if record. If Russia could come up with a Malocchio zapper, that would be the one. Well, we actually tonight. <laughs> We're oh, going no. into the wake of the person who died. Oh, mamma mia. You know, I'm so the sorry. Father ended up di- did die. That is, you know. I mean, uh, Malocchio. Yeah, that's tough. I didn't know that. So, so <laughs> that's why it was, it was really an emergency. Oh. And I had to get on the phone and try to find another studio at the last minute, which I did. The night before. The night the before. The night before you right. did it, yeah. It was literally last minute, 10, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night. That's the right. Poor guy's coming home from vacation. But he would you give us the name of the gentleman who did it? We Paul went to, Wycliffe. Paul Paul Wycliffe. He was great. He, he has us. worked with the likes of Mariah Carey yes. oh, yeah, yeah. and us. <laughs> and us. The best part is In that order. <laughs> he, he's recording us and we're the three of us are trying desperately to get through verses. And then all of a sudden I'm sitting in the back of the room and I can see he's like he's a little frustrated. The poor guy landed the night before at eleven o'clock. You called him. He was in the cab coming home. That's right. And uh, here we are. Certainly not what he expected. And as he's struggling to get us to kind of accept what we are and what we aren't, <laughs> I'm like in the back of his uh, his his sound room, and I kick over his platinum album collection that he hasn't hung on the walls yet. I'm like, this poor man's going to need another vacation after us. We kept him there for like eight hours. He was amazing. But we, get, we did it. We got it done. And uh, the song came out, I think, Pretty nice, right? I think it's great. Yeah, I think it's catchy. And then we all reconvened at Casa Belvedere to film a music video, which was really a lot of fun. I think this is... Did I ever think in the 1980s, in my golden years, I would be filming Italian-American videos? (laughs) No. music videos? You'd be a music video star? Yeah, did I ever think... No, I don't think you did. I, I, I never thought. I don't think... That's how you never... Fate is a funny thing. Fate is a funny thing. I think that this has been... One of my, it's my favorite kind of projects that we, I mean, I love what we do and going on the road and stuff, but I do love the Christmas projects because I love the idea that we are having fun together. But do you see how this reflects even like Italian American culture? Because it was intergenerational, kind of. Sure was, yeah. Because, you know, like, let's face it, I've known you since you were 14. I yeah. had to be at least 30. Who knows? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knows. Don't worry. I don't know. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's like, you know when when it really hit me, and so, I was so proud, really proud of you all, is when Enrico was playing Tushendi dal Listelle. Yeah. 
And then all of a sudden, everyone started singing it in Italian. Yeah, that was interesting. Everyone started just join. Everyone in the room. Yeah. And you guys are at least 20, 30 years younger probably than I am. And you all started singing the song in Italian. Then it was really funny to hear all the different dialects going around. This <laughs> is true. We had a lot of I'm versions. I'm hearing Barese. <laughs> I'm hearing Napoletano. I'm hearing all these uh, Siciliano, yeah. Calabrese. I'm hearing all these different different dialects. And, you know, you, you wouldn't even hear that in Italy. You wouldn't even have the same passion for yeah. the past that you have here. It's like, you know, you couldn't hear those dialects. Mm -hmm. The old dialects, going back, like to time of my grandparents, maybe your great-grandparents, whatever, you couldn't hear in Italy anymore. You'd have to come to the States to hear them. Absolutely. Because when they yeah. came here. So it was, it was really interesting. It was, and um, kudos to you guys for the project and, and for being put together and to Joe Manella too, who worked really, Joe's really hard great. in putting this Joe's, together. Yeah, anything that you, if anybody out there sees our videos on YouTube, our greetings from Italian America, you know, all this stuff we do. Two years ago, our poems was the Feast of the Fishes. 99% of the videos that we put out, Joe is responsible for and really does everything, wears every hat and every role. So he's done an amazing job. And Joe, I think, is Can we, can we tell ace. the real truth here? Yeah. No, Joe, Joe is... Um, what is he? He's, he's a mix of things. Yeah. He's all Italian. Um, yes. He's, he, has, he has roots from uh, San Gregorio Magno. There's a lot of stuff. But one thing I want to bring to the, to the forefront is... I think we are wrong. Uh, not wrong, but I think that we were going, like, oh, we did all right. None of us want to say that we're singing sensations. No. But that's not, that's not what we did. The star of the show was the orchestra, hands down, A, because they are that good. Yeah. But B, I'm starting to think it's the same reason why people listen to us. It was a true Italian production because everybody jumped in. People talking about where they're going to go out to eat afterwards. That was always <laughs> on the mind. And apart from the guy dying from the recording studio, not a, a lot of other catastrophes happened. No, not yet. Not, not yet. yet. Only why one death. Wait, 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 <laughs> yeah. wait. Hold on. Yeah. Do only, not go jumping that only gun. One wait a minute. Molecular-related death. <laughs> but I, I think that everybody. The fact that we had everybody in, and I think that what we do is what we reflect where we come from, who we are. And we're a jumbot of our own humanity. Yes, that's so everybody true. was all thrown in, and we sang, and we didn't care. And I think that really, the if if the mandolin orchestra was the star of the show, the key moment was Tushandi Dalastella because we all jumped in. But if the camera wasn't on, the exact same thing would have happened. The camera wasn't on, and everybody started singing, and we said, "Wait a minute, start over again," because this is so organic. We have to, you, I mean, we have to capture this, and you know. That's the thing I love about this. You know, we we go to Gina's, right, to record these things. Casa Belvedere. Casa Belvedere, yeah, which we, uh, is a wonderful place. And we go to Gina's to record this every every year, every time we do it. And the wine bottle's open. Gina treats – it's like being in her house, really, right? She, it was she, like she, being at a party. She, it is, like being a at a party. A holiday party. Yeah, it was. It was like fun. Everybody's having fun. We got pizzas down the block, and uh, everybody was coming in and out. We were and, starving. Yeah, it was it – was, Mariana Gatto made a cameo. Mariana yes. Gatto came out because she was in town. Brendan made a ca I called Brendan the night before, and I said, uh, now you, uh, he's not on the microphone, but you had done this for the church by you, right? You dressed you, up. You are a professional no. Santa. Uh, no, oh, you were San Nicola, San Nicola. So, right, he, he dressed up as San Nicola for the church near him, where he lives in New Jersey, and I saw it online. I said, hey, you got to be Santa Claus for us. So I ran out the night before to Party City, got him a costume, and he came out 
Ro came because we needed props. You brought the largest punitone I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah. It was how that is that heavy as hell. It, it looked like a church tabernacle. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, like it was like a veiled tabernacle. It, it was the perfect size with the white cover. It was so heavy. For the former altar boys out there, you get me it was huge. <laughs> it was a tabernacle. It was enormous. But and like I love that when Brendan was getting dressed, he was looking at the pants and he was he was thinking it wasn't gonna work. And then like he was in the bathroom. It must have been a Christmas miracle. He did, yes. Just now listen, if you want if you want your children to get a visit from Santa Claus. No, not Santa Claus because he wasn't Santa he was he was Babuzzo Natale. <laughs> Exactly. He was Sicilian. Sicilian if, if you are a Sicilian family and you have good food, because he's he wants we want quality. He doesn't visits. want chocolate chip cookies. No chocolate chip cookies. No. He will come to your house. He wants fried bacala. Nadal will go to your Sicilian home and yell at your kids. Yeah, leave him, leave him a pasito and fried he's gonna be a little cranky. He will represent Musumeli and tell your kids to shut up, sit down. You're annoying. Or he you wants some hard mustacholi. Yeah, yeah. Mustacholi. The hardest. The hardest mustache you can bac- find. He loves bacala. So and if you're making bacala, yeah, we're going to drop his hand. We call that thing on Instagram, Instagram handle. Yeah, that Instagram good? handle. And you could contact him and say, <laughs> but if you're not with on, he won't go to your house. He's a racist. <laughs> wow. Only Sicilian, <gasps> only Sicilian houses. But that's all right. You can have houses? them. <laughs> The t- the, 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 yeah, the bodies are too wow. cheap. Wow, you are a racist. You call oh the bodies cheap. I found, <laughs> I like found this doll. I found this doll, and I teased him, and I sent him. I was like, "Oh, this is Sicilian Santa or whatever the doll, whatever." And then he goes, "Oh, I found the Vare Santa doll too, but he doesn't come with the sack of presents because he's too cheap." That's not. I was that's like, pretty that good. That was hilarious. Then you wonder why people don't like you. You've alienated an entire province right now. Wow, <laughs> and it, it, Santa lives in body, right? Nicholas, yeah, John. Lives. John and I went to go see him with we my did, brother yeah, in December. Listen, not to be off topic because you will accuse me of that, but if you ever have an inkling to go to Italy, the best December sixth in body was one. I think was the highlight of all. We, we we've seen it all. We've done it all. Yeah. And that was at the top of the list. Uh, for the fireworks to go off 4 o'clock in the morning to wake you up. Oh, the best. For the holiday. The so se- December 6th in body is something very Next special. year we better film it. Every year we say we're going to go back. And every year the holiday of St. Nicholas comes. December 6th rolls around. And I get very sad in the morning to think that we didn't do it yet again. Because, you know, COVID obviously put a big block in the middle. But it's just forward planning and thinking and all these things that we have to do. And, you know. Well, that's Brendan's can, job. <laughs> can I can I can I say what I think the most imp- one of the most impressive parts of the entire uh, adventure was? John shows up. This is see he does stuff and then Nicole blames me. Let's be honest, what happens? Because <laughs> he goes, "Oh, Pat made me do it." Right? Oh, I had nothing you, you to do, do with it. You do the same thing to me oh, with your mother. Absolutely, Don't give that, me that is true. Yeah. No, but she never. She's never listened to an episode. So <laughs> I, just say, Nicole, Don't I could worry. read off her social security <laughs> number here. No, she would never oh, know. Same thing. Um. John made these signs. I don't know what they were. What were they like? Artwork? It was phenomenal. This is see, I tell everybody all the time. You don't realize John, at the end of the day, is a graphic artist. That's who he is, right? And when you meet his grandfather, you see where the connection is. But he made like what were they? He made props. a Gabi Don art. He made Gabi Don art, Bacala art. They were props, yeah, for props. The video. But he got up three o'clock in the morning before we taped. Yeah. Did Nicole comment? She came downstairs first. I don't know. She must have been in a really good mood. Maybe there's a gas leak in the house. She said, uh, do you need my help? Because I was struggling. I was really stressed. And I, I knew I had to do seven fish. And I had this idea in my head because we needed props. And she said, I can help you because she's, she's an artist too. I said, no, babe, thank you. That's great. I did my normal kind of like, you know, go to bed at 10, wake up at 2.30 and start working. And I started painting downstairs. And she came down about 6 o'clock. And she said, wow, babe, these are really good. 
I don't know how I finished them because I only had a couple done. But anyway, we didn't get seven in. I got six done. I had about three attempts to do to paint. I, I wanted I had this vision in my I'm head. I'm good. You only did six. You know, I'm very anti feast of seven fishes. Yeah, that's true. I should because that's a made up and it just right. just because that's but it should be an odd number though. But, hey, 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 that's another 1980s invention. You don't think so? No. I, odd versus even. No, that's good. I don't right, think that so, makes me feel better. I, I kind of was glad that happened. Well, I got the six done, and I had this vision in my head. Because we're gonna we talk about fish in the song, obviously, right? So I said, oh, I'm gonna paint these cardboard uh, fish, and I have to say I like them so much. You'll, if you see the video, they're in there. I ended up going home and finishing the seventh fish, and I made making a big art installation for it. I think I think I'm gonna start painting on cardboard. What is the no, seventh fish? I got fish? another idea for you, but I'm yeah. not gonna say it on the radio. <laughs> oh, good! You're not giving it away. <laughs> no, I love I'm it. I'm not gonna give Perfect. it away. Save but it. I have a great idea for you Keep for it. next Christmas. Monetize. <laughs> What's your seventh fish? I did baked clams. So, well, there were no clams. I mean, there was no, a gabi no, I made Galmad. the same fish that I use on all our T-shirts. Because finding, okay, people have agreed whether you hate it or not. It's now the Feast of the Seven Fish. I, you know, my family makes yeah, it's fine. Seven, you know, it's, it's, it's a new it's thing, a new but thing. it's not. It's, it's not. A, right? It's not historically correct. So then the but question becomes: What do you use? What's a good standard set? So I always use uh, on all of our, and I, I did them. Row, you did the plates and the um, yep. aprons. I helped design the same fish. It's bacala. Uh-huh. Eel, smelts, scungy, clams, mussels, and calamari. That's what I do. Those are the those are the, and I think graphically they work because they're all kind of different. I think I do a, a pulpo instead of a calamari on my ornament. Isn't oh. scungy more Italian American though? Yes, yeah, maybe, everyone yeah. in Italy yeah. that yeah. I've had this conversation with, they told me because Piandi Sorrento is a big maritime yeah. fish place. Um, I think that's because I love fish more than meat. I could eat fish twice a day, every day, and be thrilled. Um, they told me that scungeel, which translates in English to conch. Yes. That when they catch it, they give it away for free. Really? Yes. It's like $30 a uh, can. Right. Now. And yeah. they said when they have it there and someone wants it, they just like take it. When I go into fundamentalist gastronomic mode, yeah. I am still trying to figure out, is it something that just died out in Italy? We got it. This is this is the next Christmas episode. What, what, the history of scungy. Where does it come from? I mean, I mean, we know where it comes from here. We know yeah. why it was here because one thing about fish is you can't move your part of the ocean to somewhere else. Right. So when you come to America, you get the fish you get. You gotta get the fish you get. That's right. But was scungeel a uh, galamad? Because galamad bacala in in the in in the I don't know. I can't say the south of Italy because I'm not an expert. But at least in the area in, around Naples is all prepared the same way. Well, that, Oil like, and lemon and maybe parsley and things added here and here. It's there. like the thing my dad always, my dad, you know, I started cooking Christmas Eve when my grandfather died. I was 16 and my grandmother taught me the recipe she was cooking at that time. And then she passed away a few years later. I took some other recipes from my mother's mother, my grandma upstate. And, you know, that's what we've kind of done. And, and we changed it up. But my dad always talked about he wanted to have what his mother called Devilfish. I love this story. You do, right? This is a. And this is like my favorite you story. We have worked so hard to recreate what is devilfish. What what was he talking about? He can only remember it was a thin sauce. It was kind of spicy. It had galamad, this and that, but but. And I did every piece of research I could pull out. I mean, I was going through uh, all the old cookbooks that I bought, like the church cookbooks, trying to find this, trying to find equivalent ingredients to what he was describing. I found something kind of akin, believe it or not, in the planters peanuts. Peanut oil cookbook because Planters was an Italian American. You gotta company. be. That's where you found it. I found one. No, then I found something online. But then we went to Italy when Nicole was pregnant, and 
dad and mom uh, visited a, a good friend of theirs, Dr. Costa, and his friends in Priano, they live, I think, right? That's on the coast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's right. That's right after Positano. Yeah, there's his friend. They live in Priano, and two buddies of his uh, took them all out fishing, and they pulled out, I'm going to forget the name of it now, Taldana. Yeah, 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 Taldana. Taldana. Uh, which is a long red squid. It's like, it's, a, it's, like, it's like it's like it's like if the jolly green giant was a galamad. It's, like, it's the jolly <laughs> green giant version yeah, of galamad. The jolly red giant galamad. And they described basically making a very similar sauce to what like they that was their that was devilfish right in 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 Italian American English I guess. And now we've re-engineered this whole thing and it's been added to Do our. Do you know my theory? Because yeah. you're Sanzes, you're a mountain person. You're not yeah. an ocean person. Yeah. I guarantee you, there was a lot of people from Priano in New York. Yeah, they were in Manhattan. That's where their colony was, and then they really? trickled into yeah. There was some in Jersey. They, the ones who trickled into Jersey were originally all Manhattan people. That must have been an early Italian American restaurant dish. Oh, that trickled into the neighborhood. It's great because right, nobody yeah. from Sansa would have known what to do with any kind of squid. Nobody's ever ever they would heard have the never name have seen name. it. I bet you that was a because remember something. Fish restaurants are like pizzerias. There's stuff that's hard to make at home. You have to yeah. buy it fresh. Yeah. So I bet you there was a Manhattan, the kind of restaurants you love, that yeah. that, that red and white checker tablecloth yeah. kind of red sauce joint that was like um, Vincent's. That's your favorite. Yeah. Like, seafood. Kind of yeah. like a seafood specialty restaurant, yeah. which you don't see anymore. There's not many left. And I bet you that was a item on that menu. So interesting. Yeah. Well, the other thing is that you, you, you have to understand that as an Italian from Italy, when you come here, you discover a lot of "Quote unquote Italian things yeah. that you did not know. Yeah. Really, some of them, some of them were actually American, Italian, American yeah. inventions. Some of them you don't know them because they come maybe from a tiny place in 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 Italy, in a different region, and then they become popular over here. So for me, uh, discovering." "Quote unquote Italian culture here was like a never-ending process, and everybody would say to me, "Well, you know this, you're Italian." So, well, I don't know. Uh-huh. I've never seen that in Italy. <laughs> well, any, anyway, the seven fishes, for example, that that was unknown to me. I, I never heard that. What, was what your did menu you have? Growing up? Yeah. What did you have Christmas Eve growing up? Well, usually eel. That was the tradition. I mean, uh, and uh, bacala. Yeah, that's of course eel, eel and, bacala and bacala. These are the you know. The, well, of course, most. of course, uh, shellfish. But you, you you have that anyway. You know, I mean, it's it's not like you didn't have to do it. Right. But eel and bacala. Yes, that they was, seem uh, the staple to me. Eel and bacala. Yeah. Like, if we were to really reverse engineer this whole tradition. Eel and bacala seem universal. Well, eel... People have given up eel. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of people... No, I don't, don't think eel was universal. Eel was very symbolic for the Neapolitans, actually. When I was writing uh, the holiday cookbook, I researched it, and they felt that if you ate a very greasy, uh, rich fish like that, that you would have a plentiful wow. new year. That's so interesting. So you had to eat something very, um, very, like... Well, they, the they, they, Very rich. decadent. But, yeah, yeah, decadent. Like, decadent. Gout inducing. But in yeah. the metropolitan, in the province of Naples, they have a second. The on my grandmother's side, New Year's Eve was the exact was fish just exactly like Christmas right. Eve. So the Neapolitans had a very strong tradition of the fish you didn't have on Christmas Eve, you had on New Year's Eve. This season, gather together and connect to Italy with Media Set Italia. After holiday shopping or the big meal, turn on the TV and catch the latest and greatest from Italy's top channels: Canale Five, Italia One, and Rete Four. 
on Mediaset Italia, including a new season of the can't-miss talent show Amici, brand new current events program E Sempre Carta Bianca with Bianca Berlinger, new episodes of the quiz show Caduta Libera with everyone's favorite host, Jerry Scotti, plus brand new dramas and holiday specials. There's so much to be thankful for in Mediaset Italia, so call your local television provider today and ask for the channel. You know, I'm from Mola di Bari, and we don't, uh, people are shocked by this. We barely have fish at all on Christmas Eve, traditionally. Really? But in, see, I love that. In and the I- true Mola di Bari fashion, unless you do, we do panzerotti. Really? Which are a, a fried a fried calzone or yeah. whatever. So unless some people put the bacala in the panzerotto, but that's a little aggressive. That's a little, <laughs> you, know, you know, out yeah. there. But mostly we do ba- panzerotti, two fillings are like uh Mozzarella, capers, tomatoes. We make That's another right. one with the scallions and the olives. And then if you're really crazy, if you're really crazy, that when they came to America, they started doing ricotta and bologna. That's meat. Wow. So the meat uh, goes in. I don't, I don't like for, it. I, I don't think that wouldn't have been a Christmas. I mean, the, 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 the bologna. You make panzerots for all I your special I don't like occasions. it. I'm not saying it's right. <laughs> Certain families that I may have been connected to previously, they were those kind of people. We <laughs> not were not. Name kind, names. You know, we were not. That was a big discovery when I, uh, wow. uh, you know, that was, a, that was a little shocking to me. La mortadella. You know, me, no, not him. Not mortadella. Bologna. I was like, Come no. On. I was like, wait, you mean mortadella? And they're like, no, bologna. Ricotta and bologna. I was like, I don't know if I can. Am I in the right? I don't Where'd think. they get that's an Olive Garden recipe? It should have been an omen. <laughs> that's a, yeah. But that's a Malay's thing. So. Yeah, we don't. We don't have thing. to own that. That's Malay's. No, no, no. But, but it, it's a Christmas but, Eve I, thing. I want to say this in defense because there's a lot of people out there whose families came in like 1870 and went to coal mining Pennsylvania. So they came from like a village in Basilicata and they went to Pennsylvania and they're like, what? They, they never had this seven fish tradition because what's new about it is. The vigil of Christmas, which is Christmas Eve, was always a day of fast and abstinence. That was always church law up until the 60s, up until I think 66, 65. Hispanic countries don't do that because they got what was called the crusader indult. So uh, a pope in the 10th century gave Spain and Portugal and what would become their colonies because they had sacrificed so much for the crusades, they were dispensed from fasting before certain Catholic holidays, the idea was you've given so much. Uh, the idea was that your children, your grandchildren, a thousand years from now, it is a thousand years from now, yeah. will ask one day, why do we get to eat meat when the rest of the Catholic world has to fast? And the response was, so you can remember the sacrifices that your ancestors did during wow. the Crusades. So if you have, especially if you're in some parts of, uh, let's say, Florida and stuff like that, where your Cuban neighbors are having you know, roasted pig, pernil, and stuff right. like that, that's because that was an a, an indult that they received. And it's interesting that it's before Southern Italy falls to the Spanish Empire, right? Because yes, correct. Crusade. So we... Yeah. I don't know why we didn't get that. That's we a, were st- that's a, because we, still I, independent. Because we still had blue vestments. But that's another conversation for yeah. another day, the blue vestments. But, but that came later. Right. Now, also the tradition was if Christmas Eve fell on a Sunday, and the Poles and everybody else did this, before 1910, 1914, they had what was called an anticipated fast. So because Sunday is the day of the resurrection and you never fast on a Sunday, the fast would happen on Saturday. That was dead by World War I. Right. So the Holy See did away with that around the time of Pius X. I'm pretty sure it was on the time of Pius X. And the anticipated fast, when Christmas Eve fell on a, on a Sunday, 
having on Saturday, that was gone. Some people in Poland actually still do that. So, wait so there's people in Poland. Yeah, go ahead. This this year, Christmas Eve falls on a Saturday, Saturday right? So No, it falls on a Sunday this year. It falls on a Sunday. Oh, Christmas is a really? What would yeah, you have right. done? In the old days, you would have you could have your regular meet and everything on Sunday because Sunday trumps the vigil. Because Sunday's the day of the resurrection. It's always going to trump a vigil. It's like wow. rock, paper, scissors. So, can, <laughs> so wait, so can I eat meat this Christmas Yeah, well, yeah what? The, 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 old, you would have, yeah. the old rules. Technically, the, yes. Maybe I'll follow that this year. Well, it's my you, aunt's 106th birthday. We're going out to oh, a restaurant. Wow. Birthday. <laughs> are you not a fish fan? No, no, I eat fish, but sometimes, you know, on the menu, the other offering might be better. You get tired of salmon <laughs> once in a while. <laughs> so you're going for Christmas Eve to a restaurant for your aunt's birthday. 106 years old. God bless her. Do you, do you have a family tradition of Christmas Eve fish recipes? But we started that later on. You did? We do. Because growing up, we would have, a lot of people worked on Christmas Eve. Yeah. We always celebrated Christmas Eve. It took precedence over Christmas Day. Sure. That's when we exchanged gifts. Yeah. But we would always, we would never have meat that evening you know we would have and that was a spaghetti. hard fast rule just just, yeah. just to tell the listeners yeah. out there yeah even if you're irish yeah you didn't have meat you, you just didn't eat you, right. you just didn't eat we would but have you didn't have meat spaghetti and bacala you know tomato sauce and bacala or tomato sauce and tuna fish mm. so i would eat the tomato sauce and the tuna fish because i didn't like the bacala yeah but that's all we had but then later on my aunts one of my aunts started making all the different ones and she would do the big spread and all but traditionally growing up we that that came so later. That's my, my point. Later. My point is that if your family came early and you were from the interior, remember, poverty was king. Yeah. So bacala was salted. That's why it was so popular. So it was a dried salted product. So if you're in the interior, Basilicata or Campania in the Arpina or Calabria. We're eating trotta. Well, I mean, that yeah. was even trout. hard. Yeah, that was very trout. Yeah, yeah but the guy, the guy who got trout was the was the guy with the like your husband's family, the Marquez. Oh, or my <laughs> uncle who right. had he had the, the boots up to here, and he would go in and grab them the with rivers. his hands. And, yeah. But a big thing, and it goes to what Rose said. So your ancestors might have had spaghetti with anchovies. They might have had spaghetti with bacala because they're preserved fish, salted right. anchovies and salted bacala. They can bring into the interior. Right. Gabriel Maletti's family had uh, a handmade pasta with chickpeas, mm-hmm. right? Because that's in the interior. You have a few fried pieces of bacala, but the king was zapolin. Like, I guess you'd call it fried dough. But a fried, a, I'm saying in the interior of Calabria, not Puglia, you're a different animal. But fried treats, like putting a piece of bacala. Like a I can't even say it. And Miko even wrote a song about it. I can't even pronounce it. That's part of the song. You can't. It's fried dough like a zeppole or like a pizza fritta. Right. Yeah. Now, if you're in Rhode Island, zeppole like means road, a cream pastry. Like the, but like a, a yeast, That's not what we're yeah. talking about. Like, I'm talking about a yeast. You're talking about the yeast dough. A fried yeast dough. Yeah. Right. So what I'm saying pasta is that. Pasta cresciuta. Pasta cresciuta is the Italian name. If you were in the interior of, let's say, Basilicata, you had spaghetti with anchovies. You might have a fried piece of bacala, which was a big sacrifice you had to wait all year for. Right. You put maybe some anchovy in a fried dough, zapel, or whatever you want to call it, and you would fry that, and that was your Christmas Eve. Right. But that was it. So I'm saying is that your you ancestor know, Ste- had... Stephanie Gordon, who used to be part of our team here many years ago, came with me from Neaf to here and spent about two years with us at the podcast. Part of her family was scalabrese, and they did uh, zeppole with... Fish, I guess it was anchovies inside. That was one of their big. Yes, fish. yes, absolutely. I'm, I'm familiar with that. Now, you have to understand that around Christmas time, um, they make yeah, what you call zeppole, but they have actually different names. You know, so zeppole or crispelle, or in Cosenza, where I come from, 
They're called Kudruriadri. Wow, yes. that's beautiful. That's a, that is a, that that's, is a real Calabrese That means quota. Uh, like the the root of that word is quota, right? Part. Uh, no, actually, it comes from colura. Yeah. You know. Uh, and they're uh, the round ones. Yes. Yes. The, the, they look like donuts, sort of. That's right. Yeah. yeah, with yeah. Like donuts. Kudruriadri. And there's a version which is done with anchovies, mm. like you, like you said, which is called vecchiareggi. Which means little old ladies. I, love I don't that. know why. <laughs> I don't know why. Ours is not to question why. Ours is just to eat. But anyway, Kudriadri, for the record, is the way they're called only in Cosenza. And because of the sound that, that this word has, you know, it's like difficult to pronounce. And I actually wrote a, a whole song about it, which became very popular in Cosenza. Where I oh, I well, well, how come we didn't play that this year? I didn't know. This is how it comes up in the conversation. But, but, but my point to the, be on the next to, year's album. To the listeners is if you don't have a historic memory of all this fish, you're not inaccurate. Because no. what happened was, now, if you were in a seaport town like Pian di Sorrento or you're in Naples, you're going to have a lot of fish because it's right there. Sure. Right? You get it every day. Yeah. So everybody, but what happened is after the war with the automobile, the same way that Buffalo mozzarella starts to come into the city of Naples and replace Fiordalate. Now, if you're in Lucania or you're in Calabria, there's a truck and it's refrigerated. Yeah. And you can get all kinds of fish you couldn't get before. Sure. And the same thing if you're in New York and you're an immigrant and you're starting to make money. You can start to buy fresh stuff that you never saw before. Yeah. And then, okay, you're from Sansa and you never had fresh saltwater fish. And now you find out a devil, you go to a restaurant, you have a few dollars now, and you have this devil fish recipe. And you say to you, well, how do you make this? Now it's suddenly it enters your repertoire. So our food is evolving. Yeah. You know, we're not frozen in the sense that we're a picture in time. But what I'm saying is, if your tradition, if you're saying, well, my grandmother used to make the zapolas and, and spaghetti with anchovies, a piece of bacala, that's cool, too, because that is part of, that is the yeah. real old tradition. Yeah. And there's a lot of people out there, I want to say, there's a lot of people out there who maybe didn't grow up with this, maybe, and, you know, the beauty of, of our listenership is we have people at one-eighth the time. I mean, the, the fractions just keep growing, right? Yeah. You own this, and if you want to do it, don't be afraid. Yeah, that's if, right. If, if you want an Italian Christmas Eve, you can do it. You know, it's funny, I, I've come around, because I... I because again, part of the reason I even set out to do this when Dolores and Anthony were sharing with me that the show was in danger, part of the reason I set out to do this is because I realized I like talking about this stuff, particularly with you guys, because uh, it helps me work through my own stuff, right? This is my therapy couch, this show, as much as anything else, and I think it is for a lot of people. And I remember when I took over the holiday as a teenager and then I would get stressed and, you know, had to be a certain number and uh, then we had to, I had to get this, and who liked this? So I had to add, and then I had to add another one, and I was always, like, stressed about it. And I remember my dad saying to me, like, Johnny, Grandma didn't take it that, like, way. You know, she wasn't serious about the... And I remember, I, I thought to myself, as a young person, frankly, that he was just telling me that to calm me down. Like, he was just, like, kind of trying to walk me off a ledge uh, by sort of falsifying the casual approach to this holiday because I always remember it as feeling very codified and that's probably a false memory on my part too because I'm sure we did I, have I, different I've said things. this and I, I, yeah. if you go through every Christmas episode I say the same thing I remember like it was yesterday God as my witness it had to be the mid 80s I have the article right here. right and my I remember it was on the Today Show or some television program remember I lived with my grandmother my entire life I remember my grandmother and my mother and me discussing Someone saying, "Oh, the Italian tradition of the of the 
fish, the seven fishes, this Christmas seven fishes thing. And my grandmother being Neapolitan is extremely superstitious. And then we wonder, I, this is a God's honest truth, is it bad luck we don't have seven fishes? Who came up with this? <laughs> we don't know who came up with this. We never did this, but are we breaking a rule? And some places in Italy, they would do nine or other. Uh, sure, sure. And, and you know where I think Abruzzo, they did it. There were certain places that did have the tradition. Well, I say, my argument is that every town in Italy has its own thing. And my theory has been for years, there must have been some town... That we don't that had a frazione of fifty people that had the seven fish tradition. Somebody from the New York Times, some of the journalists had an Italian American neighbor or an Italian neighbor who came from that town. They said, "Oh, we make seven fishes in our town because Americans don't understand Italy is hyper regional, and just because your neighbor's village makes it, the other village will make nine fish, thirteen fish, or no fish out of spite." So there's nothing that we that spite is probably Company our only universal trap. <laughs> right? well, but you, you know, just one thing I want to say. Do you remember the Center for Italian Culture? Absolutely. And we I was started on the board. doing. I was too. And we started doing the the uh, seven fish dinner, and a lot of people that helped to also make, bring an awareness. And even though we no longer do that, we no longer have that center. People have gone on and they go to restaurants and they say, I want to do a seven fish dinner and they do different associations and they have it and their their members go when they have the seven fish dinner. A lot of restaurants do it now. A lot of catering places, a lot of restaurants have prefixed menu. And I'm looking at it right now. It's on my iPad here because I saved this. I did this research after Pat has mentioned this multiple times. And I think last year, I maybe we'd even had this already. It's Wednesday, December 20th, 1978. The Courier Post, which is a New Jersey newspaper, uh, page 29, has an article, holiday cooking Italian style, about a Mrs. Ida Falcone of Westmont, I guess New Jersey, showing her granddaughters the holiday, and it's all about this Roman Catholic feast, the fish, that is, because it's the first mention of the words feast seven fishes anywhere. In 1978. And the only mention of seven is... Her seven different fishes are only part of the feast this grandmother will prepare for the many family members who will be part of Christmas in her Westmont home. So that's the only mention of seven. So perhaps it starts from there that it begins to get codified and somebody else picks it up and it gets run in another place and then a TV station. Well, and well they say the seven Beatitudes or the seven... Yeah, or the seven venal sins. That was the seven that, that was, of Rome. And, you know, and, seven, and if you do that, we're, not, we're, we're yeah, saying yeah. do what makes you yeah, happy. Do not, do not turn Christmas Eve into a marathon or to a, an exam that you feel you're going to fail. But that's what this show... Do what show, you can do. That's what doing this show has taught me about. And I've always sort of been a big advocate for whatever your version of Italian is great. I picked a lot. At NIAF, it was a big part of my sort of awareness. But the show has made me feel like, look, do you do you. And whatever makes you feel like you just engage your heritage and your culture, ask questions. If you want to make up your own thing, and you know, whatever that is, if it's, you know... Uh, I don't know, what's a hip new fish, nobody, tilapia, whatever. Make it up. Do you. And as long as you bring your family together and as long as you're passing on something greater than yourself, that's... And don't be intimidated don't by be intimidated. Yeah. Don't be intimidated by a gabidon. Yeah. Which, uh, well, uh, try it, yeah. Well, an eel, you know. Yeah. Try it, you know. Op- and, and just don't do the lasagna with the meat. Don't do meat. We nah, don't do meat either. Do that. Yeah, is but that, people. Is that our area? Yeah. Is that because of our area, the Chilento? No, 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 no you, you can't. Because whole, we don't do meat. No, no, I mean, we can't. don't even make it with meat. Oh, uh, no, yeah, that was a component. But the, the, the meat in the, see, they say I go off in tangents, and no, yes, I do. Good question, though. Meat in lasagna. Well, remember, lasagna is, comes from the Latin word for noodle. Right. Lagunum, right? Tu la conosci la lasagna. Yeah, and lasagna, the, the. Lasagna is different things. Um, I've had people in Italy lecture me that 
Lasagna doesn't have ricotta. No, lasagna from Bologna doesn't have ricotta. Lasagna from Naples has ricotta. And it was usually a simple dish, and it got meat right before Lent yeah. because you were going meat with. But then again, like I said, people complicate things. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's. People codify things. They codify uh, things. They uh, don't ossified. need to be con- uh, ossified. Yeah. But I have to say that lasagna with ricotta, I found it only here. I mean, for the first time, mm. you know, I, I, it's a, it's I, a hyper, I've done a lot of research. I mean, where I this. come from, it was always with meat. So right. I was very surprised. It's a campagna thing. It's you all, know it's the oldest lasagna thing. recipe that they have, which I ate this at the Archeo Cucina in Posilipo, I think. It's uh, laganum, the the thin yeah. sheets of uh, pasta. The the stuffing was primarily ground pig's udders. And you know oh. another thing you find and it was delicious actually. I have we're, to say, we're oh. shockingly so. Well, it was like it's like no, no, it was cow's udders. It was cow's udders. Excuse me, and it was delicious. I really, I couldn't believe how. And it, you know the other thing that we don't talk about is that Christmas Day is a holiday. Was a holiday there. So what happens is Italian Americans make eighteen thousand kinds of fish, and they're wiped out on Christmas Day. Yeah. But in Italy, I would say I'm talking about the time before World War One. If you had a uh, a goat that was on, getting kind of older, you had a lamb, your chicken that stopped laying eggs, or the capon, which is a castrated rooster, which you fattened up all year, they would be killed for Christmas Day. So you'd have your simple bacala, whatever you'd have on Christmas Eve, and then Christmas Day you'd have a capon. Or a lamb, whatever you grew, whatever you had. It was a big had. protein day. It was a big protein day because you didn't get protein. My neighbor, Vincenzo Cantarelli, said to me, who was from Vatola in the Cilento, that after the war, they had meat three times a year. Christmas, Easter, and in his town, the patron saint, Our Lady of Grace, on July 2nd. Three times a year. Yeah. So whatever goat, it was their time because that area is a goat area. That's it. And if you had an extra rooster that you castrated, that became the main course because it's a little bit like a turkey, mm-hmm. a capon. If you had an old chicken that stopped laying eggs, that became soup. Yeah. You know, Menestra Maradada is very popular in a lot of places at Christmas, especially in Campania in Naples, because that was the one time you killed your, your old chicken. Ex- your old chicken. Yeah. So that's a lot. So that's that's also part of the meal that we don't talk about. Now, December 26th, St. Stephen, right? Santo Stefano, which is almost universally in the Catholic world, at least in Europe, was the second day of Christmas. That was actually celebrated as a day off. You could maybe make a soup on that day because you had the chicken bones left over. Mm. You throw in some vegetables because we do not comprehend today how rare meat was. Yeah. Uh, they, no, during that World kind War of II, they would pass around in the town the meat, the bone. Wow. Because they didn't even have yeah, enough sure. to go around That's during amazing. the war. Think about that. And, and, you know, a lot of the food that came over here... Italian food and the Italian mom and pop restaurants opening up happened after World War II because so many of the soldiers over there really liked the food and yeah. they were like looking for that yeah. food here. And that that's how, you know, I grew up, there were no chicken cutlets when I was growing up. They came later on. Yeah. They would only have veal. veal. My father mm-hmm. talks about that all the time. He says my grandmother, my father's family was very poor and my grandfather was a pretty passive guy. It took a lot to get him agitated. But my grandmother used to make veal cutlets, and then when money got tight, one day, I, I don't know how old my father was, uh, he says my grand, my grandmother decided to sub in chicken and made chicken cutlets, and my, it was the first time he saw my grandfather get really mad. And he, Maybe she started it. But no, no, no. My grandfather invented the yeah, chicken cutlet. No, no, but my point is that he... My father said my grandfather actually threw down the plate, and I think he was probably upset because of the economic 
you know, scarcity was going on, and it just boiled over. But my father has this very vivid memory of my grandfather, like, tossing away the plate. Like, he didn't, he wouldn't eat this. But I, that's the beauty of who we are. Yeah, because it's interesting. We're inventors. You know, I had this argument with Italy, you know, the, the, the burst out they had on me, that I've said Italy's, Italy, I feel, is falling behind in creativeness because somebody showed up around the time of George Washington and said, I'm going to take a tomato and make a, a, the ragu, tomato sauce, gravy, whatever you yeah. want to call it. And now it's considered universal, but it, it, in 1700, no one had any idea. No one ate tomatoes in oh, the South America. There poisonous. were no tomatoes. There were no That's, tomatoes. The tomatoes came from uh, the Mexico New World. and Peru. Yeah, and you they know, thought and, they were and Somebody came with a potato, years. and that became a nabudan gato, and a, we'd say banzarot. We use well, the word croquet for banzarot. So 12th when, century, I remember we used to do those gourmet dinners, and in the 12th century, their pasta, when they, when they would have pasta con sardino, it was made with molica di pane. Yeah, sure. It, it was made with the breadcrumbs. They wouldn't have any tomato sauce in the earliest pastas in Yeah, we, we, use, we use breadcrumbs in a, a modiga in a lot of our stuff, and uh, you know, I saw my dad the other day. It's it, A lot of times when there was no cheese, hard cheese to be ground, that was the equivalent, you know, anything to get a little salt. So... To Pat's point, be open with this. Be courageous. Try new things. Just give your family some tradition. That's the most important thing. Being together with the people that you can be together with and passing something on and belonging to something greater than yourselves. That's the beauty of really all of this. And that's what we're trying to do here on the show. So as we wrap for the finale this year and this uh, this Christmas season. Uh, can I interject? Because I always do. Because yeah. it wouldn't be me without yeah, me. Yeah, sure. Of course, yeah. Um. The star of today's episode is the Boomfield Mandolin Orchestra. Yes. I tell you to go and buy books. Support them. Yeah. If you're in the New York, New Jersey, Connecticut metro area, you're having a dinner dance or an Italian-American event, invite them. They are a volunteer orchestra. Invite them to come and play at your dinner dance. Invite them to play during the cocktail hour. Yes. At your wedding, invite them to play during the cocktail hour. Yeah. At your feast or your Italian festival, invite them to come and play. And cut them a nice check. Don't be stingy. Don't be cheap. Yeah, it's all volunteers. These are all volunteers. Yeah. They are fighting the good fight to keep this going. Um, support them. If you don't hire them, send them a check anyway. Yeah, make it. Right? Th- th- you want to give a donation? And it's beautiful. It's a be- it's, it sounds beautiful. These are beautiful, wonderful people. They're doing a wonderful thing. Invite them. Support them. Um, support them on your social media. They have a Facebook group. Promote them. And if you're musical, join them. Yeah, yeah, we meet on Tuesday evenings, usually from September to May, at the Bloomfield Middle School, 60 Huck Road in Bloomfield. And if you want to write to us about things, it's bmomandolin at gmail.com. And we do look for musicians. You have to read a little bit. But even if you played other instruments, you'd find it easy to begin to study the mandolin or one of the related instruments. Um, we are going to have the next concert on March 16th. It's going to be... A concert in honor of St. Patrick's Day Uh-oh. and St. Wow. Joseph's Day. Rough. And we'll be at Our Lady of um, uh, no, Santa Caterina di Siena, Santa Caterina, St. Catherine of Siena Church in Mountain Lakes, New Jersey. So if you're interested, please let us know. We'd love to have you there. We're going to play Irish and Italian music. That's join, beautiful. join, join. I, yeah. want, I want to see the Boomfield Mandolin Orchestra. Huge yeah. and big. I want them to be celebrated as the so rock big stars that they, they are. that they split into two rival mandolin right. orchestras. <laughs> yeah, bro. That'll really keep us going. My for the dream next is Carnegie Hall. Yeah. I want to have a Boomfield Mandolin Orchestra performance at Carnegie Hall. You'll get it done. We'll get it. Maybe not today. Maybe not tomorrow. But we'll get it done. Maybe five years. <laughs> and you still give lessons. Only to you. All no. right. <laughs> now, what, yeah. in clo- you won one. I only I won a free lesson. lesson so, uh, can yeah. I tell you something? It's I, my way. I, Pre-COVID, I won. Do you know why I played the kazoo? 
Because I was rejected from mandolin school. No. <laughs> I went. You're, you're, no, that's true. Your teacher told it's me. It's your instrument. I went in my 40s, and he basically said to me, kid, this ain't working for you <laughs> or for me. Go home. I'll give you lessons. That's, kinda, horrible, that's kind of what the engineer, Paul, told me about our singing. He said, John, listen, I've done this for 50 years, whatever he says. You can only make so much lemonade at 11. So, like, okay, we're going to we'll get the auto tune. But if you're talented, join. <laughs> we did the join, best join, we join. We weren't bad. We were okay. We did. Oh, my well, God. Well, you're going to hear it. You're going to hear it on the way out. So, I want to thank you guys both for being here. You know how much we love you guys and uh, how big all of us are as fans of the orchestra. So. Well, thank you. Thank you for being out here with us. We really appreciate it. And thank you for everything you guys did for the video. Support them. Hire them. Yeah. We're going to get, get them you for your playing. cocktail hour. We're going to get you to play uh, the You got a better line. chance of jumping out the window of this building <laughs> and, and flying around Manhattan. I tried. It no, was that's like a, a bit fun. No, it was a Charlie Brown right. moment. I went there and, and I couldn't get in. The guy's like, I don't know how to tell you this. I'm my sixth because I have no musical background. I was in my 40s. And he's like, I don't know how to. You did the sixth lesson. It's like, the kazoo is your thing now. my thing. You did a great job. I'm going to be a kazoo. Maybe I could play with the mandolin orchestra in Carnegie Hall on the kazoo. I could accompany them on the kazoo. Can I do a kazoo solo? It's up to to them. Your singing was good. Singing was good. Your singing was good. He did Ave Maria. Listen, let's let everybody hear it. How's that sound? He did Ave Maria on the kazoo. He did. He did a beautiful job. He's a great kazoo. They're going to hear our Millie Vanilli. Yeah, you're gonna hear. You're gonna hear right now. It's premiered on uh, YouTube. It's on Apple. If you want to buy it and support us on iTunes, it's We All Say Buon Natale, and uh, no better way for us to say it to you and wish everybody out there in podcast land a happy and healthy and beautiful Buon Natale and uh, all great things in 2024. Uh, I'm very happy to say Buon Natale. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next year. Come on, say Buon Natale, it's the thing to say for a true Italian Christmas day. That's the kind of greeting that we send to you from the land where Pisons play. Here we know that Christmas comes on Christmas Eve. We make so many types of fish you won't believe. Come on, say Buon Natale, the Italian way. To say Merry Christmas, a very Merry Christmas, a very, very, very Merry Christmas to you.